Now, God has always been, always will be, regardless of what we think. He is always God. Now, we need to keep that in mind. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this program is called Bible Discovery TV. We are discovering the Bible today. We focus on Psalm 90. This is a Psalm of Moses. We're going to talk about it in about three or four minutes. So stay there because it's going to be a really good one. Uh, Corey and Ryan are here. Corey. One more day of ancient graves, but this time we're looking at some grave goods that have really helped our understanding. Ryan? All right, well, today part of our reading is Psalm 90, which was penned by Moses. And so to give us some historical context, I'm going to be reviewing that time period. You know, it, it is amazing. And uh, so they'll do that in about 18 minutes time. Janice in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. Jen? Living to follow God. All right. There you have it, and we are going to do this. It's exciting. So let's open up our guides and study. Psalm 90 Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men to destruction and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past, and like a watch in the night. You carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are seventy years, and if by reason of strength they are eighty years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. O satisfy us early with your mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Psalm 90 Psalm 90, 91, 92, 3, and 4. These are amazing chapters as we continue to read through the Bible in one year. This is absolutely fascinating. You know, the book of Psalms really is a hymnal of Israel and all the Bible believers. 
Even though it's mostly written by King David, it contains a variety of singers and songwriters. Now, Psalm 90, for instance, is a prayer of Moses. The song was prayed by Moses when he led and lived among the Israelites. Now, there were times when meditating on God and who he is through music was important. Perhaps one of the most critical things we should remember is that meditation is a good way to carefully contemplate things. Now, this is one of the reasons that music is so important to our souls, a vital tool to help us learn about God and in our praise and worship of him, we learn more. It helps to center our focus on God. What we think about is not simply logical contemplation about God, but he is how we sing. He is how we live. In the same way, Psalm 90 expresses who God is and opens our minds to how we can think about it. When we read and sing Psalm 90, we also learn how God sees us. Why we do not sing and pray more the Psalms is a absolute mystery to me. I mean, this is absolutely stunning. Anyway, as we focus on this, I want to remind you of the Bible guide. And if you don't have one, we would be happy to send you one. You can call us or write to us, or you yourself can go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. BibleDiscoveryTV, remember the TV, BibleDiscoveryTV.com. And click on the Bible guide. It'll take you to a page of donations. Thank you so much for your donations, whatever the amount. And then it goes to a page where you can download it exactly how we printed it. So you're literally seconds away from studying with us the Psalm of Moses, Psalm 91 through 17. Father, I pray today that you would help us to see the wonderful, amazing word of God. Help us to understand that it applies to our hearts. We don't, we don't you know, want our thinking to come in here, but help us to hear your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen. Now, Psalm 90 is absolutely stunning. It's a Psalm of Moses. Now, listen carefully. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or ever, you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now keep that in mind. Moses identifies the truth. God has always been and will always be God. The Lord God did not grow into his position. He is God and will never and will forever be the Lord and will never cease. Beloved, we need to keep that in mind. When we pray to God, we're not praying to an image of our imagination. We're not praying to something in our mind. We're praying to the Holy Spirit. We're praying to God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. We have to pray understanding he is the Lord, the creator of everything. He's always been. He always will be. And we are simply people, his children. And that's what we need to remember when we pray. We need to do a lot of listening instead of commanding when we pray. Help us not to command, Lord. Help us to listen to you, especially today. We need to hear you, Father, what you're saying and how you're saying it as we guide our communities. In the name of Jesus Christ, 
Listen, Psalm 93 verse three is, or Psalm 90 verse three is interesting. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes. This is Moses talking. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are like a a sleep in the morning. They are like grass, which grows up. In the morning, it flourishes and grows up. In the evening, it is cut down and withers. For we have been consumed by your anger. Consumed by your anger and by your wrath, we are terrified. You have set our iniquities before you. Our secret sins in the light of your countenance. For all of our days have passed away in your wrath. We finish our years like a sigh. The days of our lives are 70 years. If by reason of strength they are 80 years, yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it soon, it is soon cut off and we will fly away. Now listen carefully. Our work as mankind is nothing compared to the presence of God. Nothing! Nothing is impossible or too complicated for God. You know, we have AI, we have all this technology, and that's nothing, absolutely nothing to God. So we need to understand what we've done is because of God, and he's gifted us with intelligence and ability to think it through. But God is the creator of everything we don't even understand. This is Moses saying these words. Now, remember, Moses was at a time about 1500 BC before Christ, and he understood this. And he's writing this psalm, and he's praying this psalm, and he's singing this psalm. We need to understand that this is for us to know and sing as well. Let's go back to the scripture, 90 verse 11 to 17. Here's what it says. Who knows the power of your anger? For as the fear of you, so is your wrath. As the fear of you, so is your wrath. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all of our days. Make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your glory to their children and let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, the work of our hands. That's amazing, Moses. Wisdom comes to our heart when we recognize our place in time and space. See, God is everywhere and nothing surprises him. Let the beauty of the Lord be upon us. Let me just explain this. God knows what's going to happen in two years. God knows if he's around or if he hasn't called us home, what's going to happen in 20. God knows in 200 years. He knows everything. When we pray to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's what we pray. 
that when we come up with things and when we develop things and scientists create things, we do that because the Lord has given us the ability to enhance the uh, earth and all of the people because of it. We need to keep that in mind. So the Lord is the originator of everything. But a lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living. Well, it's time now to carry on with our Bible study. And as I mentioned off the top of the program, part of our reading today is Psalm 90, which according to the title was written by Moses. And I find that it's really helpful to understand the historical context in which any particular Psalm was written when possible. And that's what I wanna do today. And what better way to do that than to review this history from the perspective of the man himself. So let's go. He was born during Israel's 400 years of slavery in Egypt. In fact, it would be he who would lead them out from under this terrible bondage and into their promised land. When his mother Jochebed bore him, the Egyptian officials were under strict orders from Pharaoh to drown all male Hebrew newborns in the Nile, an attempt to control the ever-growing Jewish populace. Though his mother successfully hid him for the first three months, she could do so no longer. So she put him in a reed basket daubed in pitch and placed him in the Nile. But God was watching over this child. Indeed, at this time, the daughter of Pharaoh had come out to the river to bathe. When she discovers the Hebrew child, she has compassion on him, and at the suggestion of the boy's sister, Miriam, who has been secretly watching all along, she hires the boy's mother to nurse him. The Egyptian princess then adopts the child as her own and calls him Moses because she drew him out of the water. While the Bible does not say much about the first 40 years of Moses' life while he was in Egypt, Acts 17.22 does reveal that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. The Bible also records the event that led to his next 40 years. Indeed, upon witnessing an Egyptian abusing a Hebrew, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. But when he is discovered, he flees from Pharaoh to the land of Midian. It was here, while sitting at a well, that he saved the seven daughters of Jethro the priest from harassment and drew water for their flock. For this, Jethro takes Moses in and even gives him his daughter Zipporah as a wife, who would later bear him two sons, Gershom and Eleazar. For the next 40 years, Moses would shepherd flocks. However, at 80 years of age, God appears to Moses in a burning bush. The time had finally come to break the bonds of slavery off of the Israelites. So God commissions Moses to confront Pharaoh and free his people, and designates his brother Aaron to be Moses' mouthpiece. Through a long and grueling series of ten plagues, God finally breaks the hard heart of Pharaoh, just but for a moment. With this brief opportunity at hand, Moses escapes with the Hebrews, but Pharaoh and his army soon take pursuit. So, in a tremendous display of power, God brings his people across the Red Sea on dry ground. But when the Egyptians attempt to follow, God brings back the waters upon their heads and drowns them all. For the last 40 years of his life, Moses was the intermediary between God and the people. He also received the law of God on Mount Sinai 
and built a tabernacle according to God's instruction. Though he faithfully led the people to the Promised Land, he died before entering it at the age of 120. So although Moses was reluctant and was often frustrated with the Israelites, he was still a man of tremendous faith. He was a great leader and his relationship with God was very unique. Remember, the Bible says that he spoke to God face to face as one speaks to a friend. And we can all learn from the example of Moses. He was very passionate and very committed to God. And we should be thankful for his obedience to the Lord because he would be used to pen the first five books of the Bible and Psalm 90. So let's take it from Moses. Maybe like him, we think that we're not very well-spoken or not the right person for the job. But if God has chosen us for an undertaking, then we must go forward with it and let him lead us. After all, it's about the building up of his kingdom, not our own. That is really important. And uh, that, you know, the Moses Psalm is beautiful. And I, I just taught on it. You, we've just seen your piece on it. And it's important to remember that Moses had penned this and had put this together probably sometime at the end of his life. So this is really interesting. Yeah. Last years in the wilderness. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, I, I'm just fascinated by this. It's a, it's a great one to meditate on as well. Okay, Corey. All right. Well, the last two days here on Bible Discovery, I have been taking a look at um, series groupings of ancient tombs, specifically in the area of ancient Jerusalem. But today I want to take a look at uh, um, another tomb near Jerusalem, but I want to focus in on some of the grave goods that were found in this tomb. It really just helps aid our understanding of this specific time period that we're going to be looking at, which is the time period of the kings of Israel in which the Psalms would have been widely used. Take a look. In modern day Jerusalem, a hill named Ketef Hinnom has yielded important archeological finds. Ketef Hinnom means the shoulder of Hinnom as it's located on the escarpment rising from the Hinnom Valley across from the old city of Jerusalem. Excavations between 1975 and 96 explored burial caves as well as a Byzantine church. And while the area had been used as a quarry during the Turkish Ottoman period, resulting in extensive damage, the site has still produced rich finds. The church has been identified as St. George Outside the Walls, a church built for Christian pilgrims as they journeyed along the road between Jerusalem and Bethlehem. According to an historical source, many Christian clergymen were murdered here in the Persian invasion of Christian Jerusalem. Below the remains of the church, archaeologists discovered cremation remains and a stamped roof tile, evidence of the 10th Roman legion who are known to have been stationed in Jerusalem for a couple hundred years from the time of the destruction of the temple onwards. Even earlier still, many graves were explored from the Second Temple period and several tombs from the First Temple period. These rock-cut tombs show evidence of continued use into the Roman period, with artifacts ranging from decorative beads to signet seals and cooking pots. The ceilings of the tombs had been quarried away in ancient times, but the burial benches and general layouts of the tombs have been left intact. In these and other Judean tombs from the First Temple period, rock-cut benches, sometimes with headrests showing the orientation the deceased would have been laid, provided space for the decomposition of the body. Once decomposed, family members would collect the bones and grave goods from the bench and deposit them in a bone repository, often located under one of the benches, to make way for more burials. 
In one tomb, archaeologists discovered a bone repository that was intact, untouched by looters thanks to rock debris that had covered it for thousands of years. Within it, the remains of 95 people were found, along with over a thousand artifacts and the largest collection of jewelry found to date. This repository also yielded the now famous Silver Scroll Amulets. There we go. Lots we can learn from the, really, the remains of people's lives. Really, really interesting. You know, we're going to move on now from graves and grave goods. I know I know a lot of people out there that I've spoken with that have contacted me who love history. You know what it's about. You 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 also like graves and even, even modern day cemeteries. It's so fascinating and interesting to be able to go and spend some time uh, walking around historical cemeteries. I love graves. Yeah. I do. I love cemeteries. They're one of my favorite places. And uh, I got that from my father. My father yes. used to, he, he would go and he would pray and walk in the graveyard and people thought he was crazy. And they, you know, it was crazy. Well, and it really does hold a lot of history. Yes, you know, it when does. When you begin to read. It does. And you, you recognize that these are the lives of people and so often families, Yes. you know, and, and you, your, your heart kind of goes out to them and you wonder, I wonder where they lived. I wonder what they did. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating and it, as well. And it puts it also puts your life in context mm-hmm. too, where you you realize I'm here for a limited time. And and I don't know, it's good. It's very meditative. Yes. I in agree. the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, Solomon said, <laughs> yeah. uh, teach us to number learn days. to number your days yeah. because the, the time we live this life is quickly. And, you know, so much of of our, what we see on television, the internet and here on radio is worshiping youth. But, you know, that's a wrong thing to worship. We should worship God who made all of life. And it seems that if we get that right, then things shift and things change. That's really good. Thank and you, Isn't Jan? it interesting that where I'm starting in Psalm 90 is verse 12 that says, mm-hmm. so teach us to number our days Mm -hmm. that we may gain a heart Mm. of wisdom because we do have a limited time here on earth. Mm -hmm. And is it going to be all about me and what I want to do and the things that I think, you know, a bucket list or whatever, or is it um, the things that God has called us to do? And, you know, with Moses, you know, Ryan, you and I have spoken about that a lot. you know, you and I in particular would be much more comfortable if we were behind mm-hmm. the scenes rather than sitting here at this table. Yep. And yet, you know, God calls us to these difficult places sometimes mm-hmm. in our life. And we go through difficult times. We go through times of adversity. And that's really where my segment was going today because I was going to read, let's see, from 12, let's read down. So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? and have compassion on your servants. Oh, satisfy us early with your mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. And then verse 15 says, make us glad according to the days in which you have afflicted us, the years in which we have seen evil. You know, in, in this Psalm, this Psalm of Moses, it didn't ask or expect from God a life without adversity. He was asking here for an equal balance of blessing and adversity because he recognized, I believe, Moses did, that a life without trials would lead to an attitude of self-sufficiency. I could do it on my own. I don't need God. And there are a lot of people out there right now that think that. Well, it just takes hard work. 
I can do it on my own. I'm my own man or I'm my own woman. That attitude of self-sufficiency, it it creates this independence from God. And I think it's really important. And as as we're talking about this, as we're, we're talking about this, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. It's something worth reflecting on. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I think from both of, you know, the teaching today and the, and the segments today, it really is, you know, life is so busy, isn't it? It's very Mm -hmm. busy. And, and it's, I think it's all too easy for us to focus on because our culture values individualism as we've been talking about, you know, it's all about my dreams and my wants and my hopes and my desires. And am I happy? Am I joyful? But the Bible paints us a different picture where now as Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ. And and the mission is very clear when you look at, you know, Matthew 28 and the Great Commission, where we're building the kingdom of God by spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And it makes me think of, you know, in Nehemiah, when the people have to build the wall of Jerusalem and they only have 52 days and they everyone gets assigned a portion. I can imagine the people in the more inglorious sections of the city being like, I wish I got got the one over by the gate, but no, I'm over here, whatever, you know, and comparing, comparing themselves. But it's true. God has placed us in our lives. He has given us tasks as individuals, but it's part of a group. Us as the church of Jesus Christ, as the body of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to be spreading the gospel and building the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. And we have a limited time to do that. It may not be 52 days like the Israelites had, the returned Israelites had to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. But when you walk through a cemetery, you realize it's not as long as you hope. It's never as long as you hope you have. We have a limited time and we don't know what that is. It could be 52 days. So are our hands at the task? Are we doing what God has called us to do? Are we telling people about how Christ has redeemed us? One of the things that's interesting is that when the people built the wall in Jerusalem, most kings would have the wall built by the military defensive people. Mm -hmm. But this is, Nehemiah didn't have that. He he said, you've got to build a wall. Mm -hmm. It's time. We we ended Ezra with them confessing that they intermarried, but then Nehemiah is a totally different ball game. And Nehemiah says, we got to build a wall. Yeah, let's go. So Mm -hmm. the people- Put your hand to the task. The regular people Mm -hmm. were used by God to build the wall. Mm -hmm. And that's how God works yeah. today. Brick in one hand, sword in the other. Stay I love exactly. Stay, yeah. on, guard. Stay right. on guard. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's how we need to operate today. We need to understand that each of us are doing our part. Yeah. And, you know, because we tend to worship one ministry over another, but you just remember. Keep the sin out of your life. Everybody do is doing do their work. part that's and right. we need to do that. We need to get ourselves focused on, okay, what do we have to do today? We're the body. Mm-hmm. Christ is the head. Absolutely. And so we need to continue to do that and understand that's exactly what God is telling us. I'm just excited about this BD family and friends, the networks that we have for you and that we program our programs we produce here in the studio for you. And you can get a hold of it on the Roku channel. Look up BD family and friends, BD family and friends, Bible discovery family and friends. And uh, you can watch and see us and we'll look for you there. Now, today we pray, Lord, I need to begin to change the way I work, rest, and play. Help me to honor you in every way. 